eminent domain, definition and scope, where private property is needed for conversion to some public use, the first thing obviously that the government should do is to offer to buy it. If the owner is willing to sell and the parties can agree on the price and the other conditions of the sale, a voluntary transaction can then be concluded and the transfer effected without the necessary of judicial action. But if the owner of the private property isn't willing to part with it or being willing cannot agree to the conditions of the transfer, then it will be necessary for the government to use its coercive authority. By its power of eminent domain, it can then, upon payment of just compensation, forcibly acquire the needed property in order to devote it to the intended public use. Also called the power of expropriation, eminent domain is described as the highest and most exact idea of property remaining in the government that may be acquired for some public purpose through a method in the nature of a compulsory sale to the state. Being inherent, the power of eminent domain does not need to be specifically conferred on the government by the Constitution. As it happens, however, it is expressly provided in Article 3, Section 9 that private property shall not be taken for public use without just compensation. This provision is not a grant, but indeed a limitation of the power, as its negative and restrictive language clearly suggests. This limiting function is in keeping with the philosophy of the Bill of Rights against the arbitrary exercise of governmental powers to the detriment of individual rights. Given this function, the provision should therefore be strictly interpreted against the expropriator and liberally in favor of the property owner. The exercise of the right of eminent domain, whether directly by the state or by its authorized agents, is necessary in derogation of private rights, and the rule in that case is that the authority must be strictly construed. No species of property is held by individuals with greater tenacity, and none is guarded by the Constitution and laws more sedulously than the right to the freehold of inhabitants. When the legislature interferes with that right and for greater public purposes appropriates the land of an individual without his consent, the plain meaning of the law should not be enlarged by doubtful interpretation. Who may exercise? The power of eminent domain is lodged primarily in the national legislature, but its exercise may be validly delegated to other governmental entities and, in fact, even to private corporations like the so-called quasi-public corporations serving essential public needs or operating public utilities under existing laws, the following may exercise the power of expropriation. Number one, the Congress. Number two, the President of the Philippines. Number three, the various local legislative bodies. Number four, certain public corporations like the Land Authority and the National Housing Authority. Number five, quasi-public corporations like the Philippine National Railways, the Philippine Long Distance Telephone Co. and the Meralco. Number one, Destruction from necessity. Distinction should be made between eminent domain and destruction from necessity, in that the latter may be validly undertaken even by private individuals. This is not allowed in the case of eminent domain. The leading authority on this point is American Print Works versus Lawrence, where the mayor of New York was sued for damages by the owner of a building which he had ordered blasted to stay the Great Fire of 1853. 
rejecting the plaintiff's contention that there were there was here an expropriation for which he was entitled to payment of just compensation, the U.S. Supreme Court declared in part, the destruction of the property in question does not come under the right of eminent domain, but under the right of necessity of self-preservation. The right of eminent domain is a public right. It arises from the laws of society and is vested in the state or its grantee acting under the right and power of the state or benefit of the state or those acting under it. The right of necessity arises under the laws of society or society itself. It is the right to self-defense of self-preservation, whether applied to persons or to property. It is a private right vested in every individual and with which the right of the state or state necessity has nothing to do. Additionally, it will be noted that destruction from necessity cannot require the conversion of the property taken to public use, nor is there any need for the payment of just compensation. Necessity of exercise. Questions of necessity or wisdom are essentially political when decided by the national legislature and are usually not subject to judicial review. Where, for example, the lawmaking body decides to establish a public playground and expropriates private property for the purpose, the owner cannot argue that the playground is not necessary or that assuming its necessity, it is better that the project be laid on some other site. These are matters that the national legislature can decide alone in its discretion. The legislature, in providing for the exercise of the power of eminent domain, may directly determine the necessity of appropriating private property for a particular improvement for public use, and it may select the exact location of the improvement. In such a case, it is well settled that the utility of the proposed improvement, the extent of the public necessity for its construction, selected and the consequent necessity the expediency of constructing it, the suitableness of the location selected, and the consequent necessity of taking the land selected for its site are all questions exclusively for the legislature to determine and the courts have no power to interfere or to substitute their own views for those of the representatives of the people. But where these questions are decided by a delegate, only of the national legislature, the Supreme Court has adopted a more censorious attitude conformably to the rule that the power of eminent domain should be interpreted liberally in favor of the private property owner. The judiciary has assumed the power to inquire into whether the authority conferred upon such delegate has been correctly or properly exercised by it. This will involve looking into whether the expropriation contemplated by the delegate is necessary or wise. Thus, in Republic of the Philippines versus Law Orden de P.P. Benedictonas de Filipinas, the President of the Philippines ordered the expropriation of a portion of the property of the defendant along Mandiola Street in Manila. For the extension of Ascaraga, now Recto Street, the defendant moved to dismiss on the grounds inter alia that there was no necessity for the proposed expropriation and the proposed Ascaraga extension could pass through a different site, which would entail less, less expense to the government and would not necessitate the expropriation of property devoted to education. The trial court granted the motion, holding that the expropriation was not of extreme necessity, and the government appealed, ruling on the decision Aqua, 
the Supreme Court declared in part, Private property may be expropriated for public use and upon payment of just compensation. Condemnation of property is justified only if it is for the public good and there is genuine necessity, therefore, of a public character. Consequently, the courts have the power to inquire into the legality of the right of eminent domain and to determine whether or not there is a genuine necessity, therefore. It does not need extended argument to show that whether or not the proposed opening of the Ascaraga extension is a necessity in, in order to relieve the daily congestion of traffic on Legarda Street is a question of fact dependent not only upon the facts of which the trial court very liberally took judicial notice, but also other facts that do not appear of record and must therefore be established by means of evidence. The parties should have been given an opportunity to present their respective evidence upon these facts and others that might be of direct or indirect help in determining the vital question of facts involved, namely the need to open the extension of Ascaraga Street to ease and solve the traffic congestion on Legarda Street. In the earlier case of City of Manila versus Chinese community, the plaintiff sought to expropriate a portion of a private cemetery for conversion into an extension of Rizal Avenue. On the defendant's claim that the expropriation was not necessary, the Supreme Court had the following to say. The general power to exercise the right of eminent domain must not be confused with the right to exercise it in a particular case. The power of the legislature to confer upon municipal corporations and other entities within the state general authority to exercise the right of eminent domain cannot be questioned by courts, but that general authority of municipalities or entities must not be confused with the right to exercise it in particular instances. The moment the municipal corporation or entity attempts to exercise the authority conferred, it must comply with the conditions accompanying the authority. The necessity for conferring the authority upon a municipal corporation to exercise the right of eminent domain is admittedly within the power of the legislature, but whether or not the municipal corporation or entity is exercising the right in a particular case under the conditions imposed by the general authority is a question which the courts have the right to inquire into. Private property. Anything that can come under the dominion of man is subject to expropriation. This will include real and personal, tangible and intangible properties. A franchise is a property right and may therefore be expropriated. Churches and other religious properties are likewise expropriable, notwithstanding the principle of separation of church and state. And while it has been said that the wheels of commerce must stop at the grave, even cemeteries may, when necessary, be taken under the power of eminent domain. The only exceptions to this rule are money and choices in action. Expropriation of money would be a futile act because of the requirement for the payment of just compensation, usually also in money. A choice in action is a personal right not reduced into possession but recoverable by a suit at law a right to receive, demand, or recover a debt, demand or damages on a cause of action, ex contracto, or for a tort or omission of duty. It is essentially conjectural, both as to its validity and its value. 
property already devoted to public use is still subject to expropriation, provided this is done directly by the national legislature or under a specific grant of authority to the delegate. A mere general authority may not suffice. In such a case, the courts will have authority to inquire into the necessity of the expropriation and finding none refused to allow it. Thus, in the Chinese community case, the Supreme Court declared to disturb the mortal remains of those endeared to us in life sometimes becomes the sad duty of the living. But except in cases of necessity or for laudable purposes, the sanctity of the grave, the last resting place of our friends, should be maintained and the preventive aid of the courts should be invoked for that object. In the present case, even granting that a necessity exists for the opening of the street in question, the record contains no proof of the need of opening the same through the cemetery. The record shows that adjoining and adjacent lands have been offered to the city free of George, which will answer every purpose of the plaintiff. In the novel case of Republic of the Philippines versus PLDT, services were considered embraced in the concept of property subject to taking under the power of eminent domain. At issue here was the right of the Bureau of Telecommunications to demand interconnection between the government telephone system and that of the PLDT so that the former could make use of the lines and facilities of the PLDT, the Supreme Court overruled the defendant's objections to this arrangement, build holding as follows. It is true parties cannot be coerced to enter into a contract where no agreement is, is had between them, but we must not overlook the fact that the Republic and the exercise of the sovereign power of eminent domain may require the telephone company to permit interconnection of the government telephone system and that of PLDT as the needs of the government service may require, subject to the payment of just compensation to be determined by the court. Normally, of course, the power of eminent domain results in the taking or appropriation of title to and possession of the expropriated property, but no cogent reason appears. While said power may not be availed, of to impose only a burden but upon the owner of condemned property without loss of title and possession. It is unquestionable that real property may through expropriation be subjected to an easement of right of way. The use of the PLDT's lines and services to allow inter-service connection between both telephone systems is not much different. In either case, private property is subjected to a burden for public use and benefit. If under Section 6, Article 13, now Article 14 of the Constitution, the state may, in the interest of national welfare, transfer utilities to public ownership upon payment of just compensation, there is no reason why a state may not require a public utility to render services in the general interest provided just compensation is paid, therefore. Ultimately, the benef beneficiary of the interconnecting service would be the users of both telephone systems so that the condemnation would, for, would, for, would be for public use. A similar ruling was made in the Philippine Long Distance Telephone Corporation versus National Telecom Telecommunication Commission, where the PLDT was required to interconnect with a private communications company Finally, it should be observed that the property subject of expropriation must be 
by its nature or condition wholesome as it is intended to be devoted to a public use. In this respect, as previously remarked, it differs from property taken under the police power which is sought to be destroyed because it is noxious or intended for a noxious purpose. Taking, taking as the term is commonly understood, imports a physical dispos dispossession of the owner as when he is ousted from his land or relieved of his watch or his car and is thus deprived of all beneficial use and enjoyment of his property. In law, however, the term has a broader connotation. Taking may include trespass without actual eviction of the owner, material impairment of the value of the property, or prevention of the ordinary uses for which the property was intended. For, for example, farmland is permanently inundated because of the construction of a dam nearby, the owner who is prevented from planting on the land is entitled to compensation, although he remains in possession of the property. If, as in U.S. versus Cosby, government planes fly over private property at such a low altitude as to practically touch the tops of the trees thereon, there would be such an intrusion into the superjacent rights of the owner as to entitle him to payment of just compensation, although again, there is no divestiture of title. In Ayala de Rojas versus City of Manila, it was held that the imposition of an easement over a three-meter strip of the plaintiff's property could not be legally done without payment to it of just compensation. And in the case of People versus Fajardo, a municipal ordinance prohibiting construction of any building that would destroy the view of the plaza from the highway was considered a taking under the power of eminent domain that could not be allowed without payment of just compensation to the owner affected. The right-of-way is meant resulting in the restriction or limitation on property rights over the land traversed by transmission lines according to National Power Corporation versus Aguirre de Ranga also falls within the ambit of the term expropriation. Nevertheless, not every taking is compensable, as it may be justified under the police power. For instance, a building on the verge of collapse may be ordered demolished in the interest of public safety, and the owner will not be entitled to payment for the loss he has sustained, even if he has been completely derived of his property. If a street is closed for repairs, and all the business establishments thereon suffer considerable loss as a result, the owner cannot claim that there has been as to them a compensable taking because of the diminution in the value of their property. The same principle will apply if, say, a railroad company is allowed to operate along a street, resulting in a depreciation of the properties thereon because of the smoke, soot, gases, noise, cinders, and vibrations caused by the passing trains. There is, in this case, is a valid exercise of the police power aimed at improving the general welfare and whatever damages are sustained by the property owners are regarded as merely incidental to a proper exertion of such power. The losses sustained are in the nature of damnum absque injuria. The only recompense available to the owners is the altruistic feeling that they have somehow, by their sacrifice, contributed to the well-being of the people in general. This rule is valid as long as the prejudice suffered by the individual property owner is shared in common with the rest of the community. Conversely, if he suffers more than 
his alley caught part of the damage that is a special injury over and above that su sustained by the rest of the community, he will be entitled to payment of the corresponding compensation. Thus, in Richards versus Washington Terminal, it was shown that an exhaust fan installed in a tunnel to clear it of smoke after the passage of trains th through it blew most of the smoke directly into the house of the petitioner, which thus sustained more than the damage incurred by the other houses in the vicinity, the U.S. Supreme Court held that there was as to Richards a taking under the power of eminent domain for which he was entitled to just compensation. To be sure, it is not always easy to distinguish between taking under the police power and taking under the power of expropriation. Jurists have differed sharply on this matter. Suppose, for example, a law were to prohibit the construction of buildings beyond a certain height for reasons of public safety. Would this be an exercise of the police power? Or could the owners tenably claim that there is a taking of the airspace over their land, which is as much a part of their property as the surface rights? There is as yet, unfortunately, no categorical criterion to be applied in answering difficult questions of this nature. At any rate, it is best to remember that according to Republic versus Castel V, the requisites of taking an eminent domain are as follows. Number one, the expropriator must enter a private property. Number two, the entry must be for more than a momentary period. Number three, the entry must be under warrant or color of legal authority. Number four, the property must be devoted to public use or otherwise informally appropriated or injuriously affected. Number five, the utilization of the property for public use must be in such a way as to oust the owner and deprive him of beneficial enjoyment of the property. Again, I would like to repeat no, the requisites of taking an eminent domain. Again, number one, the expropriator must enter a private property. Number two, the entry must be for more than a momentary period. Number three, the entry must be under warrant or color of legal authority. Number four, the property must be devoted to public use or otherwise informally appropriated or injuriously affected. Number five, the utilization of the property for public use must be in such a way as to oust the owner and deprive him of beneficial enjoyment of the property. In this case, the government had rented and started occupying a parcel of land in 1947, and when the owner refused to continue extending the lease, comments expropriation proceedings in 1959. As the property was supposed to be assessed for purposes of just compensation, from the time of the taking, the government argued that it should be deemed to have taken the same in 1947 when the lease commenced and not 1959, when the proceedings were begun. The Supreme Court applying the above criteria held as follows. It is clear, therefore, that the taking of Castelvis property for purposes of eminent domain cannot be considered to have taken place in 1947 when the Republic commenced to occupy the property as lessee thereof. We find merit in the contention of Castelvis that two essential elements in the taking of property under the power of eminent domain, namely, number one, that the entrance and occupation by the condemnor must be for a permanent or indefinite period, and uh, number two, that in devoting the property to public use, 
the owner was ousted from the property and deprived of its beneficial use were not present when the Republic entered and occupied the Castle V property in 1947. It has also been held that mere notice of the intention to expropriate a particular property does not bind its owner and inhibit him from disposing of it or otherwise dealing with it. Such a notice will not justify immediate taking. Neither will the mere passage of an ordinance authorizing expropriation. The expropriator can enter the said property only after expropriation proceedings are actually commenced and the deposit required by law is duly made. Furthermore, the owner does not need to file the usual claim for recovery of just compensation with the Commission on Audit if the government takes over his property and devotes it to public use without benefit of expropriation. As held in Amigable versus Cuenca, he may immediately file a complaint with the proper, proper court for payment of his property as the arbitrary action of the government shall be deemed a waiver of its immunity from suit. In city government of Quezon City versus Erecta, the petitioner contended that an ordinance requiring private cemeteries to reserve 6% of their total areas for the burial of paupers was a valid exercise of the police power under the general welfare clause. The Supreme Court disagreed, observing that property taken under the police power is sought to be destroyed and not, as in this case, to be devoted to public use. There was here a taking of private property for public use, but without payment of just compensation. In violation of the principles governing eminent domain, the ordinance is actually a taking without compensation of a certain area from a private cemetery to benefit paupers who are charged of the municipal corporation, it declared. Instead of building or maintaining a public cemetery for this purpose, the city passes the burden to private cemeteries. In Philippine Press Institute versus Commission on Elections, the Supreme Court declared as unconstitutional a resolution of the respondent electoral body directing newspapers to provide free comelec space of not less than one half page for the common use of political parties and candidates. Through Justice Feliciano, it held inter alia that the compulsory donation was a taking of private property without payment of the just compensation required in expropriation cases. Moreover, the respondent had not established the necessity of the taking, considering that the newspapers were not unwilling to sell advertising space, let alone its own authority to exercise the power of eminent domain. Public use. Public use, as traditionally understood, means any use directly available to the general public as a matter of right, and not merely of forbearance or accommodation. Where the expropriated property is converted into, say, a plaza or a park or an airfield or a highway, it thereby becomes rest com commonness and, as such, is subject to direct enjoyment by any and all members of the public indiscriminately. There will also be a public use involved even if the expropriated property is not actually acquired by the government, but it is merely devoted to public services administered by privately owned public utilities like telephone or light companies. The reason is that such services are demandable as a matter of right by anyone prepared to pay for them. It does not matter whether direct use of the expropriated property by the public be for free or for a fee. 
The important thing is that any member of the general public as such can demand the right to use the converted property for his direct and personal convenience. This original meaning of the phrase has now been broadened to cover uses which, while not directly available to the public, were down to their indirect advantage or benefit. An example would be the purpose contemplated in the subdivision of the expropriated lands into small lots for sale at cost to deserving citizens. The lots, once transferred, cease to be public property and come under the exclusive ownership of the transferees. The public cannot demand their use as in the case of a street. The private owners can in fact bar the whole world therefrom. Nevertheless, although private individuals are the direct beneficiaries of this project, the requirement of public use is deemed satisfied because of the vicarious advantages enjoyed by the people as a whole. Among this is the promotion of social justice objectives like the more equitable diffusion of property ownership, the undertaking of agrarian reforms, and the enhancement of the dignity, welfare, and security of the underprivileged. The conversion of a slum area into a model housing community would directly benefit only those fortunate enough to acquire dwellings in the home site. Nonetheless, the people as a whole would profit indirectly from the elimination of many problems in the engendered in the slums, such as fire hazards, lack of proper sanitation, ugliness, disease, and adverse effect of the subhuman conditions in the place upon the slum dwellers in general. Slum clearance is therefore now regarded as a valid object of expropriation under the modern expanded interpretation of public use. In province of Camarines Sur versus Court of Appeals, the Supreme Court held through Justice Camilo de Quison, the expropriation of the property authorized by the questioned resolution is for public purpose. The establishment of a pilot development center would inure to the direct benefit and advantage of the people of the province of Camarines Sur. Once operational, the center would make available to the community invaluable information and technology and agriculture, fishery, and the cottage industry. Ultimately, the livelihood of the formers, fishermen, and craftsmen would be enhanced. The housing project also satisfies the public purpose requirement of the Constitution. Trust compensation. Trust compensation is described as a full and fair equivalent of the property taken from the private owner by the expropriator. This is intended to indemnify the owner fully for the loss he has sustained as a result of the expropriation. The measure of this compensation is not the taker's gain, but the owner's loss. The word trust is used to intensify the meaning of the word compensation to convey the idea that the equivalent to be rendered for the property taken shall be real, substantial, full, ample. However, the compensation to be trust must be fair, not only to the owner but also to the expropriator. Payment in excess of the full and fair equivalent of the loss sustained by the owner being prejudicial to the public will not satisfy the requirement of just compensation. According to Necht versus Court of Appeals, the term owner, as applied in eminent domain cases, refers to all those who have lawful interest in the property to be condemned, including a mortgage, a lessee, and a vendee in possession under an executory contract. To ascertain just compensation, the court should determine first the actual or basic value of the property, where the entire property is not expropriated. There should be added to the basic value the owner's consequential damages. After deducting therefrom the consequential benefits arising from the expropriation, if the consequential benefits exceed the consequential damages, these items 
should be disregarded altogether as the basic value of the property should be paid in every case. The basic or market value of the property is in is the price that may be agreed upon by parties willing but not compelled to enter into a contract of sale. Not unlikely, a buyer desperate to acquire a piece of property would agree to pay more, and a seller in urgent need of funds would agree to accept less than what it is actually worth. The price agreed upon in the situations would not represent the market value of the property. Among the factors to be considered in arriving at the fair market value of the property are the cost of acquisition, the current value of like properties, its actual or potential uses, and in the particular case of lands, their size, shape, or location, and the tax declaration thereon. Consequential damages consist of injuries directly caused on the residue of the private property taken by reason of the expropriation, where, for example, the expropriator takes only part of a parcel of land, leaving the remainder with an odd shape or area has to be virtually unusable. The owner can claim consequential damages. On the other hand, if the remainder is as a result of the expropriation placed in a better location, such as fronting a street where it used to be an interior lot, the owner will enjoy consequential benefits, which should be deducted from the consequential damages. Consequential benefits, like consequential damages, must be direct and particular and not merely shared with the rest of the properties in the area. As where there is a general appreciation of land values because of the public use to which the condemned properties are devoted. There were several decrees promulgated by President Marcos providing that the just compensation for property under expropriation should be either the sworn valuation made by the owner or the official assessment thereof, whichever was lower. In National Housing Authority versus Reyes, the Supreme Court applied this rule on the ground according to Chief Justice Fernando that its constitutionality should be presumed as it had not been challenged. In Expert Processing Zone Authority versus Dulai, however, these decrees were invalidated and the Reyes case was reversed. The Supreme Court holding through Justice Gutierrez the method of ascertaining just compensation under the aforesighted decrees constitutes impermissible encroachment on judicial prerogatives. It tends to render this court inutile in a matter which under the Constitution is reserved to it for final determination. Thus, although in an expropriation proceeding, the court technically would still have the power to determine the just compensation for the property following the applicable decrees, its task would be relegated to simply stating the lower value of the property as declared either by the owner or the assessor. As a necessary consequence, it, be, it would be useless for the court to appoint commissioners under Rule 67 of the Rules of Court. Moreover, the need to satisfy the due process clause in the taking of the private property is similarly fulfilled since it, it cannot be said that a judicial proceeding was not had before the actual taking. However, the strict application of the decrees during the proceedings would be nothing short of a mere formality or charade as the court has only to choose between the valuation of the owner and that of the assessor and its choice is always limited to the lower of the two. The court cannot exercise its discretion or independence in determining what is just or fair. Even a grade school pupil could substitute for the judge in so far as the determination of constitutional just compensation. The present petition 
we are once again confronted with the same question of whether the courts under PD 1533, which contains the same provision on just compensation as its predecessor decrees, still have the power and authority to determine just compensation independent of what is stated by the decree and to this effect appoint commissioners for such purpose. This time we answer in the affirmative. <clears throat> It is violative of due process to deny the owner the opportunity to prove that the valuation in the tax document is unfair or wrong, and it is repulsive to the basic concepts of justice and fairness to allow the haphazard work of a minor bureaucrat or clerk to absolutely prevail over the judgment of a court promulgated only after expert commissioners have actually viewed the property after evidence and arguments pro and con have been presented, and after all factors and considerations essential to a fair and just determination have been judiciously evaluated. Although it has been held in many cases that a just compensation must be paid in money and no other, this traditional view was not followed in the CARP cases, where the Supreme Court adopted a more pragmatic stance and relaxed the strict orthodox requirement in favor of the practical method of payment devised by the legislature. The court observed, it cannot be denied from the cases that the traditional medium for the payment of just compensation is money and no other, and so conformably has just compensation been paid in the past solely in that medium. However, we do not deal here with the traditional exercise of the power of eminent domain. This is not an ordinary expropriation where only a specific property of relatively limited area is sought to be taken by the state from its owner for a specific and perhaps local purpose. What we'll deal with here is a revolutionary kind of expropriation. The expropriation before us affects, us, affects all private agricultural lands, wherever found and of whatever kind, as long as they are in excess of the maximum retention limits allowed their owners. This kind of expropriation is intended for the benefit not only of a particular community of a small segment of the population, but of the entire Filipino nation from all levels of our society, from the impoverished farmer to the, to the land-glutted owner. Its purpose does not cover only the whole territory of this country, but goes beyond in time to the foreseeable future which it hopes to secure and edify with the vision and the sacrifice of the present generation of Filipinos. Generations yet to come are as involved in this program as we are today, although hopefully as a hope, hopefully only as beneficiaries of a richer and more fulfilling life, we will guarantee to them tomorrow through our thoughtfulness today. And finally let it not be forgotten that it is no less than the Constitution itself ha that has ordained this revolution to the forms calling for a just distribution among the farmers of lands that have heretofore been the prison of their dreams but can now become the key at last to their deliverance. Such program will involve not mere millions of pesos. The cost will be tremendous considering the vast areas of land subject to expropriation under the laws before us. We estimate that hundreds of billions of pesos will be needed, far more indeed than the amount of 50 billion initially appropriated, which is already staggering as it is by our present standards. Such amount is in fact not even fully available in cash at this time. We assume that the framers of the Constitution 
were aware of this difficulty when they called for a grand reform as the top priority project of the government. It is a part of this assumption that when they envisioned the expropriation that would be needed, they also intended that the just compensation would have to be paid not in the orthodox way, but by a less conventional, if more practical method. There can be no doubt that they were aware of the financial limitations of the government and had illusions that there would be enough money to pay in cash and in full for the lands they wanted to be distributed among the farmers. We may therefore assume that their intention was to follow such manner of payment as is now provided for by the CARP law, particularly the payment of the balance of the owner cannot be paid with money, or indeed of the entire amount of the just compensation with other things of value. We may also suppose that what they had in mind was a similar scheme of payment as that prescribed in PD number 27, which was the law in force at the time they deliberated on the new charter and with which they presumably agreed in principle. The court has not found in the records of the Constitutional Commission any categorical agreement among the members regarding the meaning to be given the concept of just compensation is applied to the comprehensive agrarian reform program being contemplated. There was the suggestion to, the, to fine-tune the requirement to suit the demands of the project, even as it was also felt that they should leave it to Congress to determine how payment should be made to the landowner and reimbursement required from the farmers, farmer beneficiaries. Such innovations as progressive compensation and state-subsidized compensation were also proposed. In the end, however, no special definition of just compensation for the lands to be expropriated was reached by the Commission. Record of the Constitutional Commission, Volume 2, page 647, Volume 3, page 16 to 20, and 243 to 247. On the other hand, there is nothing in the records either that militates against the assumption we are making of the general sentiments and intention of the members on the context and manner of the payment to be made to the landowner in the light of the magnitude of the expenditure and the limitations of the expropriator. With these assumptions, the court hereby declares that the content and the manner of the just compensation provided for in the aforequoted section 18 of the CARP law is not violative of the Constitution. We do not mind admitting that a certain degree of pragmatism has influenced our decision in, on this issue. But after all, this court is not a cloistered institution, removed from the realities and demands of society or oblivious to the need for its enhancement. The court is as acutely anxious as the rest of our people to see the goal of agrarian reform achieved at last after the frustration and deprivations of our peasant masses during all these disappointing decades. We are aware that invalidation of the said section will result in the nullification of the entire program, killing the farmers' hopes, even as they approach realization and resurrecting the specter of discontent and dissent in the restless countryside that is not, in our view, the intention of the Constitution, and that is not what we shall decree today. The property taken should be assessed as of the time of the taking, which usually coincides with the commencement filing of the complaint for expropriation. The assessment should be made as of the time of entry. In the Castle case, the property was enhanced considerably because of the improvements introduced by the government 
during the period it was in possession thereof under the contract of lease. The government therefore argued that the property should be assessed as of the time of commencement of the lease in 1947 so as to exclude the said improvements in the appraisal as previously observed the Supreme Court held that there was no taking during that year. The property was deemed taken only when expropriation proceedings were commenced in 1959 and it was as of that year that the just compensation was asserted. <coughs> And Commissioner of Public Highways versus Vargas, just compensation was determined in 1973 as of the time of the taking of the expropriated property in 1924. However, the Supreme Court did not apply Article 1 to 50 of the Civil Code calling for the adjustment of the passer rate in times of extraordinary inflation or deflation because in eminent domain cases, the obligation to pay arises from law independent of contract. The owner is entitled to payment of interest from the time of the taking until just compensation is actually paid to him. Interest must be claimed, however, or are deemed waived. Taxes paid by him from the time of the taking until the transfer of title, during which he did not enjoy any beneficial use of the property, are reimbursable by the expropriator. In Republic versus Lim, the decision in the expropriation proceedings become, became final in the late 1940s, but the owners remained unpaid for the property for more than 50 years. The Supreme Court held through Justice Angelina Sandoval Gutierrez in summation, while the prevailing doctrine is that the non-payment of compensation does not entitle the private landowner to recover possession of the expropriated lots. However, in cases where the government failed to pay the compensation within five years from the finality of the judgment in expropriation proceedings, the owner concerned shall have the right to recover possession of their property. This is in connection with the principle the government cannot keep the property and dishonor the judgment. To be sure, the five-year period limitation would encourage the government to pay just compensation factually. This is in keeping with justice and equity. After all, it is the duty of the government whenever it takes the property from private person against their will to facilitate payment of just compensation. In Coscoluela versus Court of Appeals, we define just compensation as not only the correct determination of the amount to be paid to the property owner, but also the payment of the property within a reasonable time. Without prompt payment, compensation cannot be considered just. Finally, it should be stressed that title to the property shall not be transferred until after actual payment of just compensation is made to the owner. These are the suggested reading for the chapter Eminent Domain. City of Manila versus Chinese Community, United States versus Cosby, People versus Fajardo, Richard versus Washington Terminal, Republic versus Castel V, Visayan Refining Corporation versus Camus, Guido versus Rural Progress Administration, Manila Railroad Corporation versus Velasquez, Municipality of Daet versus Court of Appeals, NHA versus Reyes. Mataas na Lupa Tenants Association vs. Dimayuga, Expert Processing Zone Authority vs. Dulay, Association of Small Land Owners vs. Secretary of Agrarian Reform, Philippine Press Institute vs. Commission on Elections. <coughs> so that's it.